Hi there, you're listening to Hotel Vicarious, a podcast where two best friends talk about all of their favorite TV shows and movies. This week, we continue our discussion with part two of our Bridgerton recap. Hello, Daria. Hey, Jenny. And hello, listener. Welcome back to Hotel Vicarious. We are continuing our recap of the absolutely tension-filled Bridgerton Season 2 with a recap of Episode 4, 5, and 6. And there is some truly wonderful moments in these three episodes. And horrible. (laughs) And truly horrific. There's definitely like one entire episode in this bunch where I watched behind my hands because I was like so horrified by like the secondhand embarrassment of it all. Yeah, there is just like a, it's a lot. It is. It is a lot. And I think we might have our like most controversial episode in this bunch too. Mm-hmm. because, you know, there's been some just controversy all around about this season, as we sort of talked about last week, but it doesn't seem to be dying down. No. Like, people are definitely still up in their feels about a lot of things that they didn't <sighs> maybe get to see in season two that they wanted to. Yeah, and they – that is true. <laughs> to which I say, it happened. Get over yeah. it. They're not going to refilm uh, season two for you. Right. And I think, yeah, so there is, there is definitely like sort of three or four factions that have sort of come out of this. And I feel like it's there's one faction that's very much like loved the show. Whether you read the book or whether you didn't, you're happy with how it came out. Right? Yeah. Then there's like a group of people who... I feel like they are, they're they're happy with some of it, but like they really are mad about a lot of it (laughs) because they're book readers and, you know, it didn't, it didn't sort of follow the same plot lines that the book did. And so they're really kind of mad about it. And then there's like this other sort of faction that like, just does not give a fuck about Kate <laughs> and Anthony. They're just still Duke, 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 Duke. Oh, I'm so sad about the Duke. Oh, I miss the Duke. Oh, fuck the Duke. He's a shithead. Let's replace him. It's like it <laughs> but like it is it truly surprises me. Like, and I am on a bunch of these like Facebook Bridgerton groups just because of the podcast. Yeah. And and it's like shocking to me the amount of posts I have seen about the goddamn Duke of Hastings when like why he's gone deal with it and move forward in your lives. Yeah, I mean, listen. <laughs> for continuity's sake, would I love to have seen Simon pop up in an episode or yes. two? Yes, I I would love to see Simon put Anthony in this place for being, you know, in love. Because again, take a a shot for every time Anthony gets made fun of. But sure, 
there's really nothing to do about it. You kind of have to just get over it and move on. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I understand, as someone who read the book, like I truly understand you read a book. I mean, everyone has read books and had their favorite books put into movies or put into TV shows and it doesn't come out the way you want and you're disappointed. I understand that. But you had sent me this really interesting TikTok Mm. and I think it was by the author Nisha Sharma. Yes. That was who it was, right? Yes. And she talks about how, if you think about it, if Bridgerton is going to embrace this diversity in casting and change the Bridgerton world um, for the better, then things must change because no one wants to watch a show about a woman of color who is forced to marry a British colonizer because they are happened upon in a garden. Okay, guys? Like, let's just let's just think about that for a moment and, like, let it set in. Okay? Now, Nisha goes into a lot more detail and she does an amazing job, so we'll definitely link her TikTok. Yeah, it's so good. I just had to bring it up because it was such a, like, it makes so much sense. And it also actually reminds me of another thing So I also read another article in Vogue by Shelley Nicole, and she was talking about Bridgerton and the problem with color conscious casting. That was the title of the article. And she talks about how, you know, this color conscious casting has been a focal point of critics and viewers of the series since season one, you know, and, and, you know, there's one of the issues that she picks out and I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's a very good article. Again, we'll link it in the show notes. But all of the characters of color seem to, they, they have the biggest trauma. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and I understand that, you know, <laughs> that it, it, is it, okay, well, you know, every one of the, the people who marry a Bridgerton, you know, we sort of seal, see them deal with some sort of, trauma or some sort of you know thing that they have to get through and you know at the end you know they get a Bridgerton yeah (laughs) that's their reward right and so it's kind (laughs) of like oh you know and it's like can we (laughs) really I think one of the things and this is one of the things when I had originally heard that the casting for Bridgerton was gonna be far more diverse. I was like truly like fingers crossed for the Bridgertons to be a leading black family. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, that would have been, been so interesting. So interesting. And that's one of the things that Shelley Nicole talks about is that how more significant it would have felt to its viewers because you know, their biggest issues would have then been marrying their children off to the best of the best. You know, it's not having to deal with the trauma of the Duke of Hastings or Kate's trauma or Marina's trauma or do you know what I mean? So it's been very much like, yes, um, it's taking the first steps, but like, let's like, let's not stop being critical of it. Because, you know, we've still got a long way to go in terms of how many books there is, how many characters are yet to come. And like... Yeah, and it's it's also one of those interesting things where oftentimes when we see diversity in media, when it comes to romantic partnerships, 
one of them still has to be betrayed by a white actor or actress. Like we very rarely get truly diverse relationships where it's, you know, not revolving around one white person. And so that would have been a really interesting way to like, you know, ensure that we had diversity and then you can still cast diverse folks to play the Kates and the Simons. And then, you know, you could see some real not centered around whiteness love. Yeah. And I just feel like, and like, look, (laughs) we are by no means any sort of authority on this at all, but I just feel like if we go into season three with Benedict and whoever is going to play Sophie, if it's another person of color, (laughs) I just feel like that she has so much. It is the trauma that Sophie in the book endures is real bad. Like it's, and I'm not saying that, that I don't want people to have complex storylines. Absolutely. Rather, whether they're white or they're black, South Asian, yeah. <laughs> but like I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But I just feel like we have to keep having the conversation so it doesn't become just like the norm. Yeah. That makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also I will say that I see a lot of and I don't know if it it's if they're meaning well or not, but there's a lot of discourse about well, if you're going to have diversity in Regency times and you should be realistic about it and you should talk about, you know, uh, the realities of the world. And I don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree. A hundred, 150% I don't agree. I think everyone deserves escapism. I don't think that, you know, uh, black viewers in season one have to be reminded and like, frankly, I'm really glad that they dropped the racism storyline from season one because I think everyone deserves to watch this show and not have to think about the realities of the world and that it's nice to just be able to watch gorgeous gowns and gorgeous people falling in love and beautiful flowers and all of these yeah. things. Because when you do mm-hmm. start to talk about the realities of the situation, you really have to talk about the realities of the situation and how the Bridgertons would have gotten their wealth. And yeah. that's not romantic, everybody. <laughs> and like, it's very accurate, but it's like, you can't have both. You can't have both. It's not a fair, it's not fair. It's not fair. So like, you can't, you can have both if it's done in in a good way. But like, you can't, <laughs> you can't have everything that Bridgerton has and then like, try to like, also do that at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you just can't. And also, like, for people who are like, oh, historical accuracy, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you. There were not 500 Dukes in the Regency, okay? Not everyone was a Duke, okay? (laughs) There was, like, six of them, okay? And also, I'm sorry, let's talk about teeth, okay? No one had teeth like that in the Regency. Like, come on, okay? There are lots of things that are not accurate. We don't need to focus on them. Uh, yeah, Anthony coming in with tulips later on in the season in a period of time where the tulips probably weren't in season yet. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that are inaccurate. So if we really want to get crazy about it, I know we can, but then it takes the fun out of it. Right. So I just think, yeah, people deserve to enjoy a show that is fun and they deserve to enjoy 
media that tells real stories. Yeah. We need both of those things. We we shouldn't have one and we shouldn't have the other. We should have both. But I don't know that you can have both in the same story without it not without it just being a lot. Yeah. It just I don't think that's a story that you can tell appropriately. No. Okay, so should we get into episode four? Yes. Let's talk about one of my favorite episodes, I think, of the season. Oh, yeah, it is so good. If not purely because of Kate's gorgeous costuming. <laughs> yes. And the fact that, like, I have never, truly never wanted two people to kiss so badly in oh my, my entire existence. <laughs> I know. I feel Who did like. It? The writers were straight up torturing us, going, how close can we get them before we pull them away? And I did read somewhere that that's a very, like, Bollywood thing to do, Mm. that you'll have, like, a lot of this tension and you'll have a lot of, like, this almost kissing kind of, like, oh, so close, and then just, like, to pull, then they pull them apart. So I heard that that is kind of like, that was a little homage to that as well. Oh, I love that. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just something I read on Twitter. That would be great if that were the case. Yeah. Yeah. So the episode, they're still at Aubrey Hall. Yes. The house party is in full swing. Basically, Edwina wants... Kate to charm Anthony so he will agree to propose like he'll finally propose yeah which is you know of course as we know Kate's like no please god no I don't want it right but she kind of like she kind of reluctantly agrees oh yeah to do it for Edwina but she's really not into the idea and at this point we're not sure why she's not into it she hasn't really made that clear but like from the end of episode three with the b there's something brewing oh yeah i mean i think it's it's like we pretty much know right away why anthony feels the way he does the boy is very obvious but with kate it's like it's there but it's not there it's there but it's not there and like it's it's important that we get that kind of confirmation from her suit because... Yes, exactly. Yeah, so Kate decides that she is going to join the men's hunting party so her and Anthony can talk about Edwina. Yeah, and the best part of this is Benedict hovering in the background being like, yeah, like just let her go. Like, let's do it. You know, it sounds great. Does yeah. it sound great, brother? Like, let's have a good oh time. God. Yeah, so good. Oh, I mean, and like, not for nothing, but she looks absolutely fucking phenomenal in her blue hunting dress and her top hat. Like, Stunning. Holy shit. Like you could never get me in the woods on a horse with a gun, but give me that outfit, man. And I would, you know, at least wear it. Like that blue. I'm just like still dreaming about it. It's the so color beautiful. composition of Simone Ashley's costuming this season I mean was just incredible it was like they knew exactly what to put her in to make her the most beautiful at all times and they succeeded so true oh god I just love it and then they get this like they have this little bickering where he's like oh I hate you for not following the rules 
why are you writing? Why are you getting stung by a bee? Like, ugh. you know, like I'm just so irritated by you. And then they have this conversation where they're talking about like this look that they had gave each other about the bee sting. And, you know, he's like, you, you were looking at me. She's like, well, you were looking at me. <laughs> it's just so like, it's so petty and I just love it. It is very Tom petty between the two of them this whole episode. And it's like the two little children bickering about, you know, Yeah. well, I'm not touching you. No, you are touching me. No, but I'm not touching you. Like, it's just. Yeah. And then he definitely is touching her uh, <laughs> because he is showing her how to hold her rifle, even though she's like, I know how to shoot. Please fuck off. But then it's just like, you know, every time we get them like so close and he's like literally like his face is like right next to hers and he can like smell her scent and Mm -hmm. interrupted which i guess is realistic for that time period that like they wouldn't really be left alone but that's true but like anthony bridgerton must have like the bluest balls in all of the (laughs) jenny just saying probably it's true (laughs) he can deal that's his that's his thing he enjoys it (laughs) it's his kink masochist edging wait (laughs) then while everyone else is hunting Oh, we get like one of the scenes that I just like, whatever, fuck off, Colin. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's this season for Colin is so tricky for me because I find, okay, well, sure, yes, but I find him really endearing in certain ways when he gets off into his little tangents about his trips and then he's like, oh, I'm talking too much. I know I'm talking too much. I just can't stop talking. Like, there's a level yes. of self-awareness there that I find to be extremely adorable. Okay, but then yes. he's a big idiot five minutes later. So I'm like, what am I going to do with you? And he does that. It's, it kind of seems to happen a lot. And of course, we'll go, we'll get into that in the later episodes. But like, there are some moments when him and, Pe- and Penelope do have some really amazing conversations. And he is so kind to her. And then he does stupid things. And you're just like, why are you so blind it's it's hard because it's clearly like colin is very young right i think he's daphne's Uh, age he's older than daphne but that doesn't mean anything in the regency so yeah like i I feel like colin is is very immature and very young and thinks that because he got to travel for six months that like he's now this worldly man and he must behave like a worldly man. And so when he's in the presence of other men, he yeah. devolves to the like lowest common denominator, just like the rest of them. Yeah, like I guess if Anthony is 29, let's say Benedict is 27. Colin's like 25. Yeah. He's a 25-year-old man. Yeah. <laughs> a dummy. Ah! <laughs> that explains so much. Yeah, but yes, so Colin does... What he's been like itching to do since he came back to Mayfair and he goes to see Marina because conveniently Marina and Sir Philip have an estate quite close to Aubrey Hall. Yes. And their interaction sucks. Like I liked Marina a lot in season one. I thought her story was a little bit bordering on torture porn, but like still loved her. And now I don't yeah they have set marina up for the the future that i was nervous about from season one 
which is that they have set her up to be unhappy, resigned to her life for the time being, and absolutely like I <laughs> Shondaland gonna Shondaland. They're setting her up to try to kill herself, which yeah, is what happens in the book. I do think that they're setting her up for a very tragic end. Uh, and I think they're using her for Colin's like growth. And I don't ever love that either. No, it's really kind of gross. Yeah. So I just um, didn't love this scene. And I don't love that like they also made her kind of dismissive to Sir Philip, who for all intents and purposes just seems like a, a nice dorky guy who like isn't asking for love, but like, you know, maybe just polite behavior right which again they're using marina to set sir philip up to be eloise's love interest yeah he's bookish i'm sorry they are he's a little you know yeah exactly like and it just i just find it tiresome (laughs) that they had to use ruby barker as marina like she could have been many different roles and i think like, not to say she doesn't do a good job as Marina. She does. Yeah. I just think she deserves a better character to play. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. So while that is happening in that it's awkward, brutally awkward way, Colin is alluding to, you know, caring about Marina and worrying about her. And Marina's very quick to be like, my happiness or the lack thereof does not concern you. Like... You didn't seem to care about it before when there was a scandal and now yeah. I'm here and like, what can you do? Nothing about our lives are changing. So why don't you go yeah. focus on the people that really care about you? Cough, cough, Penelope. Like she even says Penelope. She's just like, are you dumb? Yeah. <laughs> like, You're a big dumb boy. Get out of my house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ugh. And yeah, he's just like, I don't know. I just, ugh. It's just so tiring. And I just, I just hate this storyline. And I wish they had done it in a very different way. Yeah. Because it also sets up for this conversation between Penelope and Colin, where Colin alludes to the fact that he still blames. No. What am I saying? He doesn't allude to it. He basically outright says that Lady Whistledown is responsible for ruining his chances with Marina. And it's like, baby boy, your mother was never going to let you marry a woman who was exposed for her pregnancy in a gossip column. So I I don't know what kind of happy ending you thought you were going to get here. Right. It's not possible, but, you know. Again, big dum-dum. Big dum-dum. Yeah. So while Colin is at the Crane Estate being annoying, (laughs) um, Kate is back from hunting, and (laughs) Edwina is like, how did it go? How did it go? And Kate's like, well, <laughs> fine. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really like, it didn't go great, but I'm not, re- it could have been worse. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, I think this scene is also uh, so interesting because Kate and Edwina have such a natural chemistry between them as sisters. I think they do an incredible job there, but they couldn't be really more different, you know, physically, personality wise, all of it. And so it makes for a really interesting, as much as I hate love triangles, straight up despise 
Mm-hmm. Especially love triangles that can't turn into like just happy triads. Right. And this one obviously cannot. You know, Edwina is still a really pretty good counterpart. <laughs> like the tension is there. Yeah. It's very it would be very easy to fall in love with Edwina, you know, in, in any man's yeah. perspective. So of course, she's very um, likable. She's very compromising. She's very docile. Like, she's, you know, but she's also, like, very sweet and very, like, she's obviously very well-read. And so she's she's very much, like, the full package for any man in the Regency, to be honest. Yeah. I just don't know if I could call this a love triangle. Like, we'll get into it in episode six, but, like... It's more like a line between two dots with like a dot over here who <laughs> thinks it's a triangle. Yeah, I mean, it's not. You're right. It's definitely not a traditional triangle, but. No. For simplicity's sake, Jenny. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, Edwina, how? I how did know. you think this? Anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, so Kate. Um, later that night is not able to sleep. Yeah. And, um, I know from, you know, just generally being a part of the fandom and everyone's, yeah. and everyone's excitement to see this scene. I do know that Kate has some issues with like thunderstorms and they're kind yes. of like a triggering thing for her. And so yeah. I was pretty much expecting this scene. Like she can't sleep. She gets up. She prowls through the manor. She ends up in the library and she is looking so beautiful. With her hair oh, down I know. and her nightgown and her shawl, like so soft. The softest we have seen Kate this entire series is yes, this scene. I, that's so true. Absolutely. Because we don't uh, we don't get to see her with her hair down. We don't get to like she's and most of her costuming has given her the like button up like I, you would know what they're called. Like the little overcoats. Oh, yes, uh, Spencer. Yes, so she she has a lot of those, and so she feels very, like, restricted most of the season. And, and they're, like, very, like, sharp-edged. Like, they're yes. very defined. They're very, um, the collars are very stiff. Like, it's it's giving her this whole sort of, like, standoffish vibe just yeah. from her clothing. And they're very masculine cuts. Like, the tailoring is very reminiscent of, like, men's jackets. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it almost sort of like as beautiful and stunning and gorgeous as she is, it sort of like restricts a little bit of her femininity, I think, in her costuming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it definitely ages it, I yes. think. Like it makes her, like I said in like our last episode, yeah, it definitely, she's definitely decided where she is in the hierarchy of, you know, spinsters and mothers and widows do you know what i mean like yes. she's she doesn't have that soft that softness that debutantes like edwina do for sure yeah and so in this scene she's like t- completely stripped away from all that she's very very vulnerable mm-hmm. and when anthony interrupts her in the library it's probably the most intimate scene we've we, we've had of them thus far because they're yeah. both like kind of stripped down like he's in mm-hmm. what like his like little on his shirt and yeah you know I mean he's both- wearing pants too yes <laughs> dang it no <laughs> dang it but he does have those like l- suspenders like hanging from his waist which is <sighs> such a look <sighs> I know so good so it is sort of like a nice setup 
for them yeah. to finally be a little vulnerable with each other and like exchange some like personal things about each other that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. Right. And then this is where he confesses to her that his father died uh, by a bee sting. And so that, but she, yeah, so it's, it's very interesting. And he's almost kind of embarrassed by telling her. Yeah. He says it in a very sheepish way. And I think it's because he's exposing to her why. Yes. He panicked so much. Like right, it was like, of course. A, oh, hmm. Yeah. Now I know. So just, just to go back to what you were talking about, about this, like Kate's uh, fear of thunderstorms and how it plays out in the book. Yes, I would have liked to have seen it because I do love it because he finds her under the desk and he like holds her um, while she's, but there's not a lot of actual dialogue and most of the, the most of what ha- is happening is internal. And so it really just wouldn't adapt well to the screen. Like it just wouldn't, it wouldn't have been as meaningful, I think, on the screen as it was in the book because of the internal dialogue that was going on in the book. Yeah, I think the only way they could have adopted that in a way that would have made it clear was if we had a flashback. Right, exactly. Which, you know, they have done in the past, but they're they're so they're so very sparse with their flashbacks. Like I'm okay with how this happens. Like, yeah. I feel like this was this kind of got got us to where we needed to be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with it, but I I know Again, it wasn't. It was one of those things where, like, it wasn't exactly what people were looking for, but you know, yeah, it is what it is. So this big old house party at Aubrey Hall has put Kate and and Anthony under a little bit of microscope, like especially Anthony. And I think Daphne and Lady Bridgerton are extremely curious about Anthony's potential engagement and what that might mean. And neither of them, as much as they think they like Edwina, they're like, hmm, not really who we thought you would go for. (laughs) Like, yeah, is that someone who, like, mm, we thought you'd kind of want someone who would keep you on your toes a little bit more almost. Yeah, so the ball that night is very interesting um, for a multitude of reasons and not just because of... (laughs) Of Kate and Anthony. We see Eloise, who's like, listen, Eloise annoyed the shit out of me this season. <laughs> but I know. It's not because Claudia Jesse did a bad job. Oh, she, yeah. She's amazing. so fun. She, her physicality is amazing. She really, Eloise does not have a good poker face. And like, that's one of my, like, the most endearing parts about her. She really does um, it. So as she's like hiding the whole ball, her mom finally finds her and like all but forces her to have a dance with this um with this guy. Yeah, and it goes real bad real quick because he's a douche. He is, and oh, it's just and she just basically rips herself away from him in the middle of a dance and like leaves the ballroom in tears. Kind of like almost yelling at Lady Bridgerton and being like, I'm sorry, I'm such a disappointment. Yeah. And it's hard because part of me wants Eloise to just play the game a little bit more. Like, you know that this is your future. You have to sort of figure it out. You might as well just go along with it. But also it's like you forget that she's probably 18 and like the idea of 
finding a match is probably fucking terrifying. Could you imagine being married at 18 years old? Yeah, and it's like, look at the options. Very old, very young. You're no one's expecting you to marry for love. She doesn't even want to be married at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the thought of even having a child last year absolutely like horrified her. So, you know, she's just she's just not ready. And well, in some ways she may seem more ready this year, she's not. Mm-mm-mm. Not in the idea and, that it's like making a mess. Yeah, and and she's seeing that there are other different things she could be doing with her life. Yes. Exactly. Or so she believes, but she also comes from a family of great privilege. And I think that she doesn't always understand that. Yeah. Like, especially if you compare Eloise to Penelope, who has been a great foil, I think, uh, narratively, because the Featheringtons, their only purpose is to get married. Lady Featherington has pretty much trained them since birth to want this one thing only. Whereas... Clearly, Eloise was given the freedom to kind of grow up the way she wanted to without having to worry about what it might mean to debut and what it might mean to have a match. Like, Ellie's been given a lot of freedom. Yeah, Violet Bridgerton is real lax on her children (laughs) growing up and then only gets real intense like the year they turn 18. Which is like, lady, where you been? I know. Where have you been? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, so, in one of my favorite musical moments of this oh, season. So good. Edwina basically pushes Kate and Anthony to dance because she's like, right. she's gunning for this engagement. She knows that Kate is pretty much the only thing standing in her way. And she's like, yeah. get on the dance floor. Convince this man to marry me. Right. And Tell oh, him <laughs> you will say yes, basically, to let me marry him. Yeah. And of course, the song playing in the background is Dancing on My Own by Robin. Oh, and like, it is so intense of a scene. Like, they are so into each other. Like, they can't, they can't even form words. Like, they're just like, oh, man, we are so fucked. Yep. But we're just going to play along like nothing is the problem because nothing is the problem because this is our this is our duty and this is what we will do. And we will not enjoy this, yeah. <laughs> except we will definitely enjoy it. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, right? So <sighs> Anthony, Anthony knows what he's feeling, right? He knows what he's feeling and he's hoping that. Kate will confirm his feelings because he doesn't want to be alone in this thing that he's dealing with. And so he does right. give her like all of my jokes about Anthony aside, he does try and give Kate an opportunity to be honest with him because he's like, all right, we're not, we're not that far yet. Like if you tell me right now why you don't want me to marry your sister and you're honest with me, then we can figure it out. But Edwina is way too important to Kate. And Kate is like, no, it's fine. I'm going to India. You'll never see me again. Just marry my sister, please. Like. Yeah. And he 
in full Anthony Bridgerton style, loses his shit. The boy has <laughs> no chill. No chill. None. No, no, not Kept even not pretend one, for a second. Not even one grain of chill exists in Anthony Bridgerton's body. He is like, what? I am immediately leaving this dance floor in an absolute huff. And I am going to just slam cupboards around. And because I don't even know what to do with myself. It's pathetic, but in like an amazing way. <laughs> oh, God, I know it is. Oh, and of so course, bad. Kate is like, oh, Oh, fuck. And she's like running after him into the library, which mm-hmm. of course it's like these two have this weird mind meld where they just know where they're going to be at all times. Right. They have their like little <laughs> special places that they just know. Right. Exactly. And one of my favorite exchanges is in this library because he's like, why? Why do you hate me? Like what what like what is it? Like what? Please, just like I'm begging you to tell me. And we get Simone Ashley's amazing delivery of because you vex me. And it's wild. Like her hair comes out of her little I mean, like she's We know it's so good. It's so good. And like, and now like we just get some of Jonathan Bailey's like best work. And he's just like, and what is it? do you think you do to me? And he's just like, <laughs> like I was just like, I could not stop touching my face the entire <laughs> four, five, and six. I was just like this the whole time. Like I just couldn't, could not stop myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's everything that you could ever want from an enemies to lovers. Like the tension just builds so high that eventually it's going to burst, right? I mean, at the end he is, he is literally begging her to tell him that she feels nothing for him. He's like, just say it. Say that you feel nothing for me. Say you feel nothing for me. And she just, she, for all Kate's, you know, everything she believes she has to do for Edwina, everything she believes she has to do for her family, she cannot get the words out to say that she feels nothing for him. And before, you know, they can actually kiss again, here comes Daphne. Yeah, but you know what? I love this. I, I know. I love so good so much because Mwah. Daphne immediately reminds him, like, huh, what an interesting situation. Should I be challenging Kate to pistols at dawn? What what would you do in this situation, brother? Like she's very much like, do you remember your dumb ass trying to fight my husband? Because you found us together. So it's this really nice, like, full circle moment where Anthony's like, all right, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But she she clocks it immediately. She can see in, like, no time at all that Anthony's after the wrong sister. Yeah, and he does seem to kind of, like, finally be cognizant of this. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, as he, like, drinks himself into oblivion (laughs) right and then he's like he knows what he has to do and then you're like okay okay so like you're kind of like unsure is he gonna still is he gonna throw everything you know Mm -hmm. to the wind and like ask kate you know like is this is it over 
but we don't really, you know, he doesn't really confirm or deny anything to Daphne. Yeah. And then we have like a very similar conversation between Lady Danbury and Kate, but it's very different. Yeah. Lady Danbury is very good at sort of talking around a subject. She doesn't usually come right out and say what you think she might you know like she, yeah. she sort of like wants Kate to get there herself yeah I I I kind of had a hard time with this with this conversation because while Lady Danbury does know sort of all of the, Kate's reasoning yeah and you know she's asking her you know why are you why are you putting yourself in the middle of Edwina doing what you want her to do, which is, you know, to get the money from the Shetfields. And so, you know, and she, she just tells her, you know, like, I just felt like in some ways, like Lady Danbury could have cut this off at the pass. Oh, but we see this, right? Well, this is like one of Lady Danbury's failings this season. Like, I think so, which kind of makes her a more human character. Yeah, like I do think we get a, we get to see a very flawed version of her, which I mean, I love. I yeah, love. no, a, me too. I really, complete, I really do yeah. love it. But you're right. I mean, it, too much talking around a subject sort of prevents, you know. Anthony doesn't need money. No. He doesn't need the Sheffield money. He doesn't at all. He no. really doesn't. And for... If Kate was to marry him, he would absolutely and happily provide for Edwina and Mary before Edwina marries herself. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, like, it's just, I just, Kate, like, what? Yeah, Kate is setting herself up for a really big drop, basically. I mean, yeah, big time. And then the next morning, Anthony grabs that ring and goes running outside right before they're supposed to get in the carriage. And the camera work is so cruel because... Heart-wrenching. It focuses on Kate's face, whose just entire disposition changes when she sees Anthony because obviously we know now that there's something there. And then the camera swerves real fast the camera work is something that I've, I've been seeing some people talk about and some people really really like it some people really really hate it I'm on the side that like loved the erratic movements of the camera this season it made it feel oh yeah I all the more real sure yeah I didn't find anything like jarring at all oh yeah some folks didn't really love the like shaky camera-ness whenever Kate and Anthony were close to each other um oh but frankly, I just I, felt like I was right there with them breathing yeah, their I, breath. <laughs> it's okay, guys. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but yeah, so he drops to his knees and he asks Edwina to marry him. And it is so fucking stupid. <laughs> I know. And like you just want to punch him in the face. The amount of Bridgerton men I want to punch in the face is just like the list is so long. It's all of them. Well, and I just kept thinking. Even Gregory, shut the fuck up, you little kid. (laughs) I just kept thinking this entire time, like, oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) How are they going to go? Like, what is going to happen? If they cancel uh, this wedding, it's going to be fucking. I just, I, how? How? The whole time yeah, I kept asking so, my husband, how, how, how? 
my my group chat was like losing their minds like because we had all read the book and so we were all like what how do they come back from this <laughs> like it was like we did not know we were like have we just been duped and it is not kate and anthony like what is happening just so 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 much bad so much bad like i yeah. was really i was I was just not sure how this was going to go down. In yeah, other I, engagement news. Yes, this. the in Yes, at the ball. Yes. Yes. One thing that we didn't touch on was that in all of Lady Featherington's plotting. <laughs> yes. We saw it last up in like, you know, episode three that the idea of having Jack, cousin Jack, marry one of her daughters particularly prudence would be a really great way to ensure that lady featherington remains you know head of the household because prudence would just let her do whatever she wants and it would secure their fortune and yada 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 Mm -hmm. so she plots for jack (laughs) to be found alone in the orangery (laughs) what a place with prudence yeah, and I have to say, as a book reader, I kind of loved this because in the book, it is Lady Featherington who finds Kate and Anthony, and she's just so horrendous. <laughs> um, so for it to go down this way, like, and she tr- she still gets to be so horrendous. Yeah. And for them to find that, you know, that she leads this, like, group of people to the orangery to just happen upon them. And I just, I actually loved the way this went down. And again, just continued to, like, add to my love of Portia Featherington so much. It's incredible. But that's when you find out that Jack is a broke boy. Oh, man, he's broke AF, guys. Broke he's AF. got nothing. And his rubies are fake. <laughs> all fake all glass so now it's like okay what do Shit. we do <laughs> yeah yeah so basically we find out he was courting cressida because he needs her money because he's real broke and he there's no money coming from there's no rubies in the, the americas there's nothing he yeah He's got nothing. And so thus begins the partnership between Cousin Jack and Lady Featherington to secure some kind of fortune for their family. Yes. We don't know what, but they've got to figure something out, (laughs) basically. Incredible. (sighs) Yeah. Gosh. Man, what a full episode. Seriously, action-packed. And then episode five is just like 10 times more action. <laughs> I know. It's a little overwhelming. I kept thinking, how long is this episode? Just kept going and going. And it was all very good. But I was like, am I watching like a movie? Like what? No, honestly, like that would happen every episode. I would be like, oh, my God. Okay. This is like, it's almost, it has to be almost over. Like, how are they going to wrap this up for this episode? And then I'd be like, oh, we're 25 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, sure. Sounds good. Let's keep going. What What else awaits us? Right, exactly. Episode five starts with just one big punch to the gut. Yep. And we see they're in the palace and we see Anthony walking past Kate and like they have this like, <sighs> I don't even know what it is. 
just perfect. It's like their hands are like magnetic and like they (laughs) almost, it's like they're wanting to touch and they just like don't actually touch, but you see both of them kind of like reach their pinkies out to touch the other and they don't actually, but like you can almost think that they feel the magnetic pull between the two of them and it's just, they don't even look at each other. You don't even look at each other. I know. I know. It's it's incredible. And so then we get to this this interaction between the Sharmas and the Bridgertons and, of course, Lady Danbury with the Queen, who is quite pleased that her diamond ended up with a Bridgerton. And she insists on hosting their wedding. And there's this, like, really briefly funny moment where Anthony is like, no. And the Queen's like... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Boy, like, do not try me. You are getting married down. at my house. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. And she also is going to be trying to find out who Whistledown is in the process. Oh, yeah. Because the queen is always scheming. She's always scheming. Right. Exactly. Um, And then we get this real great bath scene with Anthony where he's just like, oh, he's getting, he's cleansing himself. <laughs> and getting ready to just like throw himself into these wedding plans for this wedding he definitely does not want to have <laughs> and there is this hilarious moment when he like loses his shit when someone at one of his siblings asks him if Kate is gonna live with them after he's married and he's just like ah! Yeah, I think it's Eloise because Eloise is is, like Eloise or Benedict. It's one of the two, and I can't remember who. I think it's uh, Eloise because she says like I'd love to have another, you know, like smart woman in the house. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, and he's just like twitching. Yeah, (laughs) which immediately cuts to Kate and Edwina talking about the wedding, and Edwina's like, "You're going to be my kid's favorite aunt." And Kate's like, I want to die. Yeah. Excuse me while I drag you into this bucket. <laughs> oh, poor Kate. But the rom-com shenanigans don't end there. They sure don't. There are some truly mm, beautiful moments in this episode. Because Kate is alone at the house because Edwina is still at the Modiste getting fit for a dress. And yes. Anthony arrives with the Clearly only jeweler in Mayfair. The only guy. One guy. The best guy. The best guy. Though he's really not mm-hmm. that good. We'll yeah, find out bad, a little actually. bit later. Yeah. Because they want to get the ring sized to fit Edwina. And the jeweler's like, okay, your hand's the same size. Put it on. Let's do this. Like, I'm not, I'm here. Let's, like, get it done. But he... Does it in there like a really creepy ass oh, way? Oh, yeah. And he's like, Do you share the same gloves as your sister? Yeah. And he's like, I could tell. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, dude? So get your eyes off my hands, please. A little hand Focus on your cakes. On. All right. Focus right, on your cakes. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> but we're uh, we're given this redonkulous moment where Anthony puts the wedding ring on Kate's hand and he's like stroking her finger like running his thumb i mean like it's how dare how dare it is it is pornographic too much it's too much and it's like all right okay 
But of course, Edwina comes back at that precise moment. And poor Kate can't get the goddamn ring off her finger, which is like my one of my favorite tropes. It's <laughs> What it's, is it trying to tell you guys? <laughs> it's so funny. But like poor Kate, man. She gets put into all of these completely ridiculous situations. And it is just. But again, Anthony tries again to get Kate to be honest with him. And she cannot. Yeah, like he even is like, I'll break. Like he, he basically is saying that he'll end the engagement, even though he's just done it. Um, if she wants him to. And yeah. she's like, no. Oh, God. Then we get to incredible romantic comedy moment, what, like number 75? Oh, gosh. So, <laughs> yeah. So the families are going for a promenade to show off the newly betrothed couple. And Kate, of course, accompanies them. And that's where she meets Mr. Dorset again, uh, who we had met in episode two when they were at the races. And she kind of, she kind of, like, tries to have a good time with him. Like, she kind of, you kind of see her be like, okay, you know, it is what it is. I'm just going to have a good time with this guy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like Dorset for everything that happened at the races, you know, was still an interesting person to talk to, I think, in her mind. And, and she's he's like, a distraction. He's a great distraction. Exactly. She's like, mm-hmm. this guy that I have a thing for is marrying my sister. I'm moving back to India. This man wants to flirt with me and take me on a boat. Okay. Yeah. Why and not? he's even like, I'll come visit you in India. Like, I thought that was kind of cute. Like, I liked their whole little conversation on the boat. I, I oh, liked it a lot. Yeah. I mean, Kate has a lot of game. Mr. Dorsey. Yeah. You know, I mean, he seems like the kind of guy that I would want to, I don't know, rendezvous in India right. with. Why not? And, yeah, exactly. And of course, we have Anthony just like being an absolute fucking no chill idiot <laughs> and just like glaring at both of them like he wants to rip Dorset's head off. It's incredible. I almost feel like, too, when the camera pans over to him really fast, it's like a Kill Bill moment, you know, where it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, what's happening? Who's touching my woman? I cannot handle this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like Violet kind of notices, like she kind of notices he's distracted Mm -hmm. and she notices what he's distracted by. Whereas Edwina is just like, Yeah. Yeah. So as they come back, uh, Anthony's like, I got this. (laughs) I know how to do everything, including the fact that you didn't tie the boat properly, Dorset. And so we got a hand touching moment. We get some jealousy and then we get Newton being the MV fucking P. Yep. Knocking those boys into the water. And it's amazing. <sighs> it is. It has it has taken first place uh as a 
pulling yourself out of the water in a transparent white shirt. Yes. <laughs> Whew. Whew. Yep. And I did I did see an interview um with Jonathan Bailey and he was saying that they basically had <laughs> him try on different shirts and they, they were spraying him with like a plant mister to see which one you could see his chest hair through the most oh my god i know amazing amazing that's I incredible so much. <laughs> i died it was such a good it's such a good moment oh. um and then we get lady featherington's plan she has figured out a way for them to get money. Yep. And we see our favorite Mayfair jeweler back again. <laughs> Guys, he's a really bad jeweler. <laughs> he's real bad. He yeah. absolutely believes that the rubies are real. And he's like, yeah. Real good. Perfect. Give me some more cake. Yeah. And so basically Portia's plan is for Jack to spread um, spread his rubies all over town and to get um, investors to invest in these non-existent mines in the Americas. Because, you know, at this point, the Americas are like an uncivilized world. That no one ever went to yeah. uh, and knew nothing about. Yeah. And what's really interesting is that, and I think this happens this scene, Jenny, correct me if I'm wrong, but Lady Featherington is very clear that they should be going after families that have really no good standing in, right. in Mayfair. Like yes. in the ten. Like basically like, oh, okay, go after these annoying people because no one will care if they – you know, like, lose their money. Like, no one will come after us because right. no one cares about them anyway. Yeah, and she basically lists every single person except the Bridgertons. Yeah, it's so funny. Which is so great. Uh, and she finally basically admits, she's like, yeah, just about everyone except the Bridgertons. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. It's so good. I love it. So love, love, love it. while that is happening, Eloise is once again darting <sighs> off to um i guess it's just like a, another part of of london where like mostly people like her don't go and yep. she finds this like very cool underground public lecture with artists and activists and feminists or so early suffragettes yeah and then she finds cutie pie theo sharp yes yes and there's some there's some flirty insults going back and forth and they're both kind of like into each other, which is strange because we haven't seen Eloise really be into anyone <laughs> other than herself. Yeah. So it's kind of like a weird, it's, it's not, it's, it's kind of like oddly refreshing to see Eloise kind of like, maybe she kind of knows how to play the game a little. Yeah, I think the flirting comes real naturally to her. Yeah. But also, I, I just kind of, like, yeah, if there is going to be a guy that captures her interest, it's going to be someone like Theo because he is, 
is like a nice little symbol of a lot of things that she's looking for. Yeah. And he's real cute. He is really cute. <laughs> but while this is this whole thing is happening, Penelope's basically like following her. Because she's yeah. terrified that Eloise is gonna find out that she's Lady Whistledown. Yeah, or that at least she's gonna find out that the printer that Theo works for is the printer of Lady Whistledown. Um, and that makes her even more nervous. And so she yeah, she's kind of like stalking Eloise and getting real nervous. <laughs> Yeah, and I just feel like uh, if Eloise took like five seconds to think about what was going on, she'd find out who Lady Whistledown was real fast. Honestly, she's as dumb as Colin. (laughs) None of the Bridgertons are that smart at the end of the day. No, honestly. It's painful. And now we get to one of my favorite parts of episode five, the Benedict part. Was waiting for this moment. I know. I am so transparent. Uh, (laughs) So we finally get to see Benedict. He's like in his element. Um, He's at the Royal School having been accepted. Um, And he's like super into one of the nude models. (laughs) So she basically is the model because they won't accept women to be enrolled as students. So she poses as a model so she can listen to the lectures as well. Um, and then she sort of paints like in the after hours. And so he's like very into that. And then she asks him to strip and model for her. And he cheerfully agrees along with the entire audience. <laughs> yeah. Super into it. I it is a real cute. I love how game Benedict is and like Oh my god, he's so down for anything. (laughs) Love that. So I have I have two beefy moments with this plot line. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Say them. Say them. She doesn't get a name. I know. She got nothing. She does she does. She does. What's her name? Her name is Tessa. She does. They say they do. They do say her name. I think in one of the later episodes, her name is Tessa. Are you sure they don't just have her name in the captions? Because I swear to God, I could not remember them saying her uh, name once in the entire show. Oh, I thought it's mentioned by the guy who comes in. Oh, later on. Yeah, I thought it was, but maybe. maybe it is just the captions. I'm not sure. I do know her name is Tessa, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's not. Um, I mean, I could stand to be corrected, but if we don't mm-hmm. find it in the first episode that she's even in, like, I I think it's just like, one, of those, one of those things where I'm like, I'm pretty sure Benedict and Benedict sleeps with the model before we even find out her name. And so, like, that to me is very annoying. Yeah. And also, I don't appreciate how hetero <laughs> his storyline is all of a sudden. Yeah, he needed to be a lot more gay. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 about it, I really thought, you know. Maybe he needed to be a lot more queer. Yes, yes, I just need a know. little something more because it's right there. Yeah, like let him be into mm, women and men models. That's yes. cool. Give us the variety. Yeah, like that seems totally plausible. Also. <sighs> you know? But still, it's a very cute, fun moment. And it makes me excited to see Benedict as a romantic lead. 
Me too, because I think Luke Thompson is such a good actor, and I yeah. think he's going to be so fun. And again, I really hope that the TV adaptation fixes some of his more problematic moments. Well, I just I I know what I know from like friends, you know, and you who've talked to me about spoiler his alert. Book. He's just dumb again. He's just real stupid. Well, he's just kind of a dick, and I just feel like his characterization thus far has been, like, sweet and stupid, but there's no real negative. Like, he doesn't have... Mm-hmm. No, and the thing is, like... And not stupid, the- but, like, he's just kind of a nice guy so far. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. The thing is, what he does in his book, he believes he's being helpful. <laughs> But he's, like, so insulting in the process. Yeah. But, like, he believes that he's doing the right thing. He thinks that he's being helpful. He thinks he's solving the problem for her. When, really, he's, like, massively insulting her. And she's just like, fuck you forever. Yeah. (sighs) So, after our delightfully fun moment of seeing Benedict stripped down, we get the dinner party from hell oh it's so painful it is so bad and it's like this is the moment where all of kate's stuff is going to implode because well how could it not yes so lady mary or sorry mary mary's parents the shetfields have heard about Edwina's engagement and they've come racing to London to see their granddaughter. Um, you know, and Mary is like, obviously like, oh, I don't really want to see them because, you know, remember they disowned me yeah, for marrying the guy that I love. Pieces of shit. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and it's just like very, everyone is very on edge. Yeah. But, um, you know, Anthony and Violet are like, you know, they're very, they're getting ready for this dinner. They're going to meet the Shetfields along with the Sharmas and Lady Danbury. And, you know, but again, Violet is like, uh, are you sure? Like, are you sure, sure? Like, you want to meet the grandparents? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and um, shout out. To Anthony Stewart Head mm. for being in this show for five seconds. What an interesting guest star. Like, right. I mean, he's literally in it for, for no time at all and hardly says a word. Um, but he is, plays such an amazing villain. Oh, my God. The, the fact that he decided to shift after playing Daddy Giles for, you know, seven know. years to, like, Uhtred Pendragon and what's his name in Ted Lasso. Like he plays a really yeah. good dick. So it's great. Um, I was so happy to see him. But dinner starts to suck immediately. Like, they're <laughs> <laughs> like have they even eat? I don't even think they had appetizers, I don't guys. think they get into eating at all before it goes like no. fucking off the rails. There is no soup course that's come <laughs> out, okay? Thank God, because I think it would go flying. Right, exactly. Anthony would have for sure thrown it at Lady Sheffield. <laughs> I mean, and she is like, wow, day classic. Ugh, I, yeah. Man. I mean, I do genuinely wonder. It's great for the drama. It's great for the tension. 
But would two people who were so concerned about class and and you know what people thought of them would they immediately start being dicks in front of their granddaughter's you know fiance's family? Like it was just like Lady Sheffield could not help herself, and yeah. she was just like even like Lord Sheffield seemed embarrassed at first. Like for how like it, like how like not chill she was being, <laughs> but then immediately he's just like brings up this whole thing uh, yeah. that Edwina and Mary know nothing about, which is the settlement, and that you know Edwina will receive her this dowry uh, for marrying a British person of nobility. Yeah, and. Kate, even though Lady Danbury has been seriously begging her to tell Edwina and Mary, has not done it. <laughs> and then everyone is just like, uh, what? Yeah, and like, it's it's too little too late. Because for a, yeah. a few minutes, Kate does try and tell Edwina before the dinner starts. But they get interrupted and it's just like a whole big thing. But Kate had plenty yeah. of time to do that beforehand. So, yeah. You know, this is where we start to see Kate's hopes and and dreams for Edwina start to just uh, deteriorate, basically. Real fast. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of going, this dinner is going to shit, and Anthony loses his ever-loving mind. No, I I was going to say, and it is triggered, I think, the moment they turn on Kate. Like yes, it it absolutely he's, is. He's like very clearly getting annoyed by a lot of things, but when they start to talk about Kate's mother and father and Kate, she, yes, he looks he because he can't. I mean, he's like staring at her almost the entire time. He takes yeah. like one look at her reaction, and he's like, "That is it. <laughs> I must yeah. defend my woman." <laughs> he throws yeah. his napkin and he tears everybody apart. Yeah, and for, you know, a credit to Anthony, he does defend all three of them, you know, um, Kate, Edwina, and Lady Mary, um, and basically disinvites the Sheffields to the wedding, and, like, whoo, it's bad. Violet is real mad. Edwina and Mary are like, what the fuck have you done? Yeah. And Anthony is like, I need to leave. (laughs) Yeah. And this is where we start to see uh, Violet looking at Lady Danbury in maybe a new way because clearly Lady Danbury knew. Yeah. Um, and so everyone's sort of looking at each other going like, what? Who's responsible for this? And Kate, who has taken on this role in her family to sort of fix everything, goes yeah. rushing after Anthony to sort of like, I don't know. I don't even know if she really knows what she needs from him at that moment. I think, you know. Yeah. And I think it is to, to, it really is to be like, you have to marry, you must marry Edwina now. You, you cannot end it. You must marry her. She, she has nothing now. Basically. Like she won't, you know, she won't get that money from the Sheffields now. So you have to marry her. Yeah. And, oh, and, and then we just, (laughs) i don't even i don't even know like how this the whole interaction i wish i could just 
dramatically read it out loud because it is because like honestly like i don't kate basically is like i'm going to india you have to marry my sister everything will be fine yeah and he's like like, not far enough yeah like india is not far enough to make you stop like to make me stop wanting you yeah and she's like uh, what yeah and you know and he has this line that again delivered amazingly by jonathan bailey he says you are the bane of my existence and the object of all my desires <laughs> i literally get weird i like think of like, even just now it's yeah i know Killer and then line. if that's not good enough if that is not enough, never he's enough. like, do you even know all the ways a woman could be seduced and the things I could teach you? Excuse me, sir. Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> get out. It's so much. It's so much. I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. This scene is like legitimately almost hotter than any actual scene that they have together. It's so sexy and tense and like, ah, the longing is so good. You know, I just... Yeah, yeah. And there's that camera thing again where it's like moving around them. It's a little wonky. And it definitely, to me, captures the like, intense emotional feelings because they're so close to each other they like might as well be smushing their faces together it's like they can't get closer i know without without you know breaking his honor you know like without and and that's the one of the things he says is like you know he's like basically she will be like this temptation and their lives will be full of torment until one day he'll eventually and inevitably succumb and that thread of honor will snap. It's so it's so miserable. It's like, yeah, I'm going to marry your sister and then we're going to have an affair because that, that's what it's just going to – I mean, like, it's such a, like, rough moment and – And, like, I think he's trying to say it to, like, dissuade her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, think he's trying. He's desperate does to, it? like – I know. I'm not sure that it works. Like, oh, but uh, maybe that could be a good arrangement. <laughs> right? Like, oh. Yeah, and then – but Kate is like, no, you have to marry her. <laughs> you have to marry my sister. Yeah. Ugh. It's just so oh, – oh, oh. it's so terrible. Uh, and then the very next morning, they meet – in their secret writing spot again Uh, they just happen to know where to find each other all the time yeah um and he's like i'm gonna end it and we'll all go our separate ways we'll all be miserable (laughs) and she's like no you can't you you have to marry her my sister's in love with you (laughs) which makes me so angry like, don't even get... I'm about to get started on that. Like, episode six is coming, and, like, I, know. I have a lot of Edwina thoughts. I know, I know. <laughs> um, and so she's like, no, my sister's in love with you. You you can't break her heart. You know, she's not getting this money. Like, you have to marry her. You know, like, and she says it must be... It must because it has to. Yeah. 
um, about like sort of like how they feel for each other like you know this like passion that they feel and these feelings and oh and then it's just like this like very sad montage to Alana Smorset's You Oughta Know, which is just like, stab me in the heart a million times. I know. I know. It's too much. Um, one <sighs> other thing that happens during this episode that is not about romance. Yeah. Is that we find out that Madame Delacroix, Genevieve, yes. is working with yeah. Penelope to get out Lady Whistledown's drafts. And it is kind of ingenious. It is! She basically is sewing the um, first drafts into the, like, hems of her gowns and having them delivered that way to the printer. And so there's no more Irish Penelope, you know, meeting with folks in, like, downtown London and... Everything sort of like works out. Lady Whistledown says some nice nice things about the modiste. The modiste gets the drafts to the printer. And for a brief moment, Whistledown is a okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for now. For now. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay, so now we are in for the worst episode. (laughs) I mean, and when I say the worst episode, I mean it's really great. It's really good. But I, my poor little delicate heart could not handle it not even for like a minute this was a miserable experience for me do you understand <sighs> i cannot handle yeah. moments like this <laughs> cannot it handle episodes like this a lot it was just like too much i don't have <laughs> a strong enough constitution like there was so much like drama this. in this episode this episode actually i <laughs> This episode is the most Shondaland of any Bridgerton episode to have ever Bridgertoned. Yeah, because and it's I, a I goddamn shit show. Someone is leaving a wedding and not getting married. I think that's happened like 700 times in Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Am I wrong? No. All of Owen's weddings? Yeah. <laughs> Who else? April? April again. Well, what's definitely uh, Meredith at least at least once or twice. The the most famous one that I can think of is um Sandra O's character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god, it just never ends. So like, am I surprised that there was a wedding that didn't happen or someone ran away from it? Not no. particularly. No. <laughs> but whoa, man, it was real intense. And so <sighs> it actually opens up in a beautiful way. Which is, <laughs> we have the queen going through all of the details, organizing all of the various zoo animals. There's a great moment with a peacock. These wick, like totally warped, like food arrangements. Yeah, it's 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 hideous, but you know that's fine. And then you have Anthony getting drunk as a skunk with his brothers. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> And the brothers think that he's just like, you know, having a little bachelor bachelor night. Meanwhile, Anthony's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> but we get this really gorgeous scene with the Sharma women having yes. a Haldi ceremony, which is this like really beautiful tradition. 
that uses turmeric. Yes. And it's this like cleansing procedure for the bride and groom to be. And it's supposed to represent like a life of prosperity as the couple celebrates their new life together. And it's also to rid the couple of what um, the Sanskrit term is uh, Buri Nazar, which is like their term for the evil eye. Oh, okay. And it's supposed to help like get rid of all of the evil spirits. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's it's really cool and interesting. And I'm so glad that we got to see that in this. Yeah, and they didn't like make it into a thing in the show. It just was part of who they are. Yeah. And and it was so nice to see them. And it, it's it's such a sweet moment between the three of them, like between Edwina and Kate and Mary and like, you know what's coming, sort of. But also, like, it is, it's so nice to see. Yeah, that's the thing. The framing for every tender, beautiful moment in this episode, it's like a horror movie waiting to happen. Like, you know that Freddy is, like, around the corner with a knife. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and then, oh, man, the wedding is here. <laughs> and... It's really happening. And at this point, I was like, what the fuck? Like, ha- what? what is happening right now? Like, how? And the best part is, like, we're not alone in that. Because Daphne comes in and is like, what the fuck is happening? I thought you said you were going to handle this. This does not look like you handled this. <laughs> like, she's so mad. Right. <laughs> I know. She's like, what are you? Come on. Like, and then she's like, she even goes so far as to be like, we feel bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's real, like, she's real kind of ruthless about it. She is. And it's, it's like, again, <sighs> but it, the thing about Anthony is that he doesn't feel like he deserves that love, right? He doesn't feel yes. like he deserves this happy ending. And he feels an incredible obligation to taking yeah. care of the rest of the Bridgertons. And so, he says to her that he's doing this for the family that he currently has, not the one that he might have one day. And it is an incredibly like heartbreaking. It. Yeah, it's 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 brutal and it's very much parallel to Kate's feelings too. Like that's not something I get, but maybe Edwina can have it. So I'm going to work my hardest for her to have this because, you know, I can't. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And another, like we talked about, these really, like, warm, sweet moments um, before the inevitable disaster, Kate gives Edwina her late mother's bracelets. Yeah. (sighs) Yes, she does. My little selfless idiot queen. Yes. And Edwina's like, no, I want you to wear them. Should have just taken the bracelets, Edwina. Uh, no one should have worn them then, <laughs> guys. Maybe that would have been a better right solution. Exactly. Oh, oh my god. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Kate's like, okay, I guess I'll wear them. <laughs> so yeah, the wedding. The wedding is happening. It is actually <laughs> happening. It, it is. She is walking down the aisle. Like, woo! I wish I had somehow recorded myself 
while this episode, while this scene in particular was happening. And like, you can probably ask my husband because I was just sitting on the couch going, no, 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 absolutely not. This cannot be happening. She cannot be walking down the aisle because they keep saying that you can't, like, you can't come back from this. You can't come back from a failed wedding. They'll both be ruined. And it's like, oh, are we not getting a happy ending after all? Like, what? what? Oh, my God. It's like so. And then so we've got Edwina, like, coming up the aisle. And, like, Anthony is not even looking at her. He's basically looking directly at Kate the He's whole time. Such a bad He's imagining actor. the two of them <laughs> alone at the altar. She's in a wedding dress in his fantasy. Like, and this is happening while Edwina is standing right in front of him. It is and then, killing me how impossible it is for Anthony to pretend for like five minutes. And then if that's not bad enough, he makes Kate so nervous that she is like playing with her bracelet and it pops off. Yeah. And <laughs> in a true pure moment of Anthony, no fucking chill Bridgerton. <laughs> He dives to rescue the goddamn bangle falling from her wrist. It's a bangle. <laughs> it is so fucking stupid. Do you know what it is? Like horrific. It is so incredibly insane that this is how it happens. Because as they're both diving for this bracelet, you know Anthony can't control himself when he's within five inches of her. And... That is when it finally clicks. That is when Edwina finally understands what like half the goddamn room can see. And she flees. Like runs right out, right down the aisle as fireworks. Ah! This is so good as fireworks go off. Oh my God. It's so like, it's so insanely dramatic. I'm like, so ridiculous and like so cringe and so messy and like so horrific for like everyone involved but like thank fuck (laughs) yeah uh and so now begins the longest wedding of all time oh my god it never ends you would think that if the bride flees down the aisle that maybe these people could go home clearly a wedding is not happening but in true bridgerton fashion everyone just hangs out at the palace snooping around trying to figure out what's happening trying to get some gossip yeah and that's when we kind of get like a little bit of an update on some of the other kind of you know subplots that are happening yeah yes 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 the Um, yeah Oh, yeah. So we got Lady Featherington being like, okay, look, you got them all here. Go, go, get more money, get more money. <laughs> like, get all of the investors. Like, come on. Yeah. And this is where we start to see that Cousin Jack might be a little enamored with Portia Featherington. 
Oh my God. So I have to say, so my friend Holly, who is uh, one of the hosts for the Wildly Tarot podcast, she, we watched, we watched the show at the same time. So we were like texting each other. And I think it was in episode two or three, she was like, she sent me a text. She's like, why do I want Jack to bone Lady Feathers? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, I could totally see that. And then it like happened and this we we get to like actually see that he's like into her in like episode six and Holly was like, Look, I I called it, I called it. So good. I mean, this is one of those like twisty turn moments that I was so not expecting, but was so excited to see happen. I was like, Oh hell yeah. Yeah, and like Porsche's kinda like okay. Yeah, she's like a little freaked out about it. I'm a little weirded out, but like you are married, gonna marry my daughter, but like, okay, let's talk about this. <laughs> oh, and while <sighs> that is happening, the queen is like furious. I mean, like, she's oh, just, man. yeah. It's like one of those things where no matter what happens, she frames it in the way of like, how is Lady Whistledown going to respond? Yeah, she's so obsessed with Lady Whistledown. Well, and it's because Lady Whistledown makes her question all of her power. You know, and so she's so, it's so important for her to figure out how to hold on to that, that she's going to do anything in her power to find her. And so all of the footmen are kind of on a quest to discover who is around. And so they're like spreading fake gossip. They're like watching who's talking to who. Like there's a full on investigation of every young woman at the time, at the palace at that point. Yeah. Yes. Poor timing because Eloise, who is consumed with her crush, like it's so funny to see this interaction because Eloise is like, is he thinking of me? What is he thinking of me? Does he think of me? Should I ask if he's thinking of me? It's like your first crush ever and you're obsessed with it. And so she she literally runs from her brother's wedding to ask Theo if he has feelings for her. In her roundabout way of doing so. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. And then we get, again, like I was saying, one of these really great conversations between Penelope and Colin. And he really seems to be taking like what Marina said to heart. And like, he's actually listening to her. And he, it it almost feels like he's actually like seeing how much Penelope actually cares about him and how like loyal she is and like you know um I don't know I just and then so it's like these moments where I'm like yes Colin yes keep going keep going and then he just like takes like five massive steps backwards well and it's a testament I think to Luke Newton because his facial expressions when he's uh you know Working mm-hmm. off of Nicola Coughlin is like he's very, like he's a little enamored, you know. And yeah, so it's I a really so. sweet yeah. choice. Uh, I was just going to make their future storyline all the more interesting. I know. Yeah, and then okay, this is one of my favorite moments, like one of my many favorite moments over the course of se- this season. But like we have this. We have this moment between Violet and Lady Danbury where Lady Danbury is like, the queen wants us to fix this. It has to happen today. 
<laughs> the wedding must continue. <laughs> and then they just kind of look at each other and just like start like absolutely doubling over with laughter. Like they are just giggling it up. Like they, they're just like, this is an absolute gong show. Like yeah. what? Uh, is she crazy? She's crazy, right? Like yeah. this, we're not doing this. Like <laughs> there's no way we can even do this. Like and this is not going to happen. And it's so great because after the like fucked up Sheffield dinner, Violet yeah. was definitely holding Lady Danbury a little responsible for that for, you know, good reason. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, nice yeah. to see that this is a little bit like, uh, you know, a back to their groove of of their friendship. Right. Uh, and now we get the part of the episode that Jenny uh, doesn't want to talk about because she has nothing nice to say about it. This is where I feel like, and we talked about this in last, in our like last recording, <laughs> That when you do storylines like this, someone's character is going to suffer. And Edwina's character suffers heartily in this episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because for the most part, I feel like Edwina has been logical about what this was. Kate is pressuring her for a love match. And Edwina's like, I just want to meet a nice guy. Mm -hmm. Okay, like Mm -hmm. we'll figure it out. And... Mm -hmm. She's enamored with Anthony, but it, to me, it felt very much like, well, he's the kind of guy I should be going for. He seems like he'll be very nice. Uh, you know, he knows his duty. He likes his family. Like Rich AF. Right, exactly. Like, I, I couldn't be in a better situation. To me, it felt very like. I'm not in love with him, but, like, this works. This is a really good match. Yeah, like, she thought she could be a really good Viscountess. Like, she felt like she was ready for that. And so I don't know if it's the embarrassment that's making her behave this way or the, like, anger that she feels, but she is acting like an extremely heartbroken individual. And it's like, oh, but, Mama, you knew... That he wasn't going to give you love. He said that to you in front of a room of people. Like I don't. But also like they don't ever talk. Like they've never talked. They We saw them dance maybe once. Barely. Like, yeah. We've we've barely seen them interact. I, I just didn't feel like there was anything that had happened in the show to show how she would have fallen in love with him. Like, was there more things than they cut them out? Like, I, I just didn't see, like, I, I almost feel like this is not so much an Edwina problem, but a show problem that, like, guys, you didn't convince us she was, like, when would she have fallen in love with him? Yeah, that's the thing. I I kind of want to, so I will, blame it on the writers. <laughs> yeah. Like, I no, think I, something- I kind of... Yeah. Like something is is missing there. And and I think, you know, Edwina is selling the shit out of this heartbreak and it's a beautiful performance, but it is yeah. extremely frustrating. And it also sucks because in the confrontation with Kate about, you know, do you love him? How could I be so stupid? Da, 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 da. She calls yeah. Kate her half sister. Yeah. And it's like, <sighs> it's so mean. And it Yeah, it's very malicious. It's really malicious. And to me, that's like not Edwina's character. Like that's it was like no. very unexpected for her to go in that 
in that way. And then they kick her out of the room. It's just like, yeah, it's no, I did. I did feel like Mary in that moment, Mary was very much still. I, I didn't feel like Mary was like, get out, Kate. I don't like you. Yeah, but right. she was just like, she was very much like, Kate, I think you like you need to go right now because yeah. it's not going to get better for you or her. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so I appreciated yes. that because Mary was like, you just need to just let's just you need to go to a separate room. It's like, you know, it's like time out for both of you. Yeah. It's also the first time that Lady Mary takes an active role. It's true. In the situation. You're right. A hundred percent. Which is one of the problems all along. Yeah, like it's it finally like kicks her ass into gear a little bit that like, oh my God, I've been relying on Kate to do so much. I This is me. This is my job. So I got to put on the mom hat and like figure this out. Right. And then we get this scene with Anthony <laughs> and he's like, hey, so do you still want to get married? <laughs> and she's like... Again, and again, like, I guess we blame it on the writers, but, like, she's like, well, do you want the marriage or do you want me? And then it's like, lady, like, and I feel like, I feel like if I wanted to look at it objectively, and surely I should, as a reviewer of media, um, they were trying to portray Edwina's naivete by making it seem like she she sort of conflates him wanting to marry her with him being in love with her. Right. Like she got swept up in the moment. And so she's in love with the idea that he's in love with her when he's not in love with her. He just is going to marry her. And he never said he was in love with her, but she just somehow conflates him asking her to marry him with him being in love with her. And so therefore she is in love with him. Yeah. I just didn't think it was done very well. No. It is the weakest part of the entire thing. Yeah. So as Edwina is figuring out what she wants to do, because ultimately the ball is in her court right now, mm-hmm. uh, Anthony finds Kate hiding, crying, yeah. like super miserable and upset. And even though everything has happened, Anthony like can't keep his hands off of her, basically. I know. And it's like he it's it's like he doesn't want her to go, but he doesn't like he knows they can't stay. Like it is just an insane situation. And like Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. It's just so, so much. And of course, only a few people really know what's going on. And so now the queen is demanding to understand what's going on. And she has Lady Danbury and yes. Violet. And Edwina. And Lady Mary, I believe. And Lady Mary. And they're all in the room. And they're all trying to yes. figure this out. And I I do want to say, because I'm realizing it, it just now, that for the most part, this show is just scenes of women figuring shit out. <laughs> Pretty great. <laughs> like the Not fact that we had this scene with the Queen and Violet and Lady Mary and Lady Danbury, like all of them trying to, you know, triage this moment. There are yeah. no men in the show that have that role. All the men in the show are like real dumb. They're real <laughs> dumb dumbs. Well, but there's like, like, there's like not even an older man in like no. a fatherly, like there's none of that. No, like all the fathers are dead. And yeah, and it's like anytime there's like men in scenes by themselves, they're just like, kind of being big dum-dums <laughs> and i kind of love it i know i know 
Um, so sorry. So like, I just it's realized okay. that because I was like, oh, no, what, a, what a good moment. Like, yeah. I didn't think about no, it at all. It's great. So yeah, we have like this and she's basically demand. She's like very mad. And she's like, I want you to get married. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't care what's going like, on. I'm going to oh, make it happen. Yeah. I don't really want to get married. <laughs> but she's not really saying that. But like, clearly it's like, oh. And then the king bursts into the room and earlier in the season when they were getting ready for or, or sorry earlier in the episode when they were getting ready for the wedding there is a conversation between the queen and her advisor and she's like make sure he does not come out of his room and make sure no one goes up there and disturbs him like we have to protect him basically like we don't want people seeing how he's become uh and so he basically bursts into the queen's sitting room and he thinks he's at his own wedding because he's just so out of it. Yeah. Oh, and it's just like so heart wrenching because you can see how tormented the queen is by a having people see him like this. Yep. And and also by the fact that like this is a man that she loves who doesn't know who she is anymore yeah you know he thinks edwina is she doesn't he he thinks edwina is her or he 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 knows he knows the queen is charlotte but he doesn't really know what time like where he thinks it's their wedding like he doesn't know time basically yeah i'm not sure what he views as like because edwina sort of steps forward because they're she like does. all sort of like stuck in this like shocked silence because obviously none of them understood, you know, what the reality of the queen situation was. Right. Um, and I think Edwina steps forward and acts almost like a wedding guest or something. Yeah. And yes. is like, you know, feeding into his delusion a little bit. Yeah, is- just to like calm him down and basically telling him, you know, maybe you should rest before the ceremony and – you know, and it's because of Edwina's sort of like kindness and, and, you know, how she deals with the king that the queen basically is like, okay, well, I'll give you the choice whether you want to go through the wedding or not. Go through with the wedding or not. Yeah. And this, so it's like, <sighs> this moment is really annoying <laughs> because I've spent the first half of this episode being so annoyed with Edwina. And then she does this and I'm like, where the fuck was this gal? You know, like, why didn't we, why, what, what was, like, yeah. Okay. Okay. I, again, um, I want to believe that perhaps she, in that moment, she realizes something actually about love. Yeah. And about sacrifice that perhaps she didn't understand before the moment with the king and the queen. Yeah. Because I think she or that I have to assume that is what we are meant to understand. But again, it's just such a very thin, tiny thread (laughs) that they have weaved for us to like follow. It's real hard to understand that from one watching i know it's really hard like i it it has taken me i have probably watched this episode three or four times and it's taken me 
just today to kind of get there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a mess. It's kind of a mess. But that interaction pretty much decides for Edwina that she is not going through with this wedding. Hallelujah. Took us a fucking hour to get here, but we're finally there. Yeah. And she summons Kate and Anthony to the church. And like, this is when these like Regency rules don't matter. Yeah, like, right. Edwina summons them both to the church by themselves and like tells them that she's not going through with it and she reads them their riot acts, whatever, 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 and then leaves them alone. And I'm just thinking like <laughs> anyone could have walked in at this moment in the church on the queen's grounds where everyone is still hanging out. Oh, I know. It's just like it's just like, you know, rules only matter when they matter. Because I'm glad that they were left alone in the church because then we get finally the moment that we have been waiting six episodes for. And dare I say, it was worth it. God, that kiss is good. It's so good. It is just like, man, they just like devour each other. Uh, Yeah, it's like they cannot get enough of each other. And I feel like at a certain point, Kate's going to like rip his hair out. (laughs) Right, exactly. And he's just going to like eat her entire face right off. Yeah. And, like, tell me that that's not the hottest thing you've ever seen in your life. Because Right, exactly. It is. Oh, so good. Uh, and that uh, is the end of episode six. And what an end it is. And it's, and it is kind of like, thank you, Netflix Bridgerton writers, for sort of organizing your episodes in this way. Because it made it very easy for us to split so up great. our episodes. Like, thank you, guys. It was so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, like, all, like, painfulness of episode six aside. God, this is such a good freaking show. It really is. It always sort of, like, gives me what I want most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I have such a, I had such a Bridgerton hangover this week. Did you? It's been, like, well, because it's been, like, a couple of weeks now, and, like, I'm finally, like, not constantly just thinking about it in my head all the time. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, okay. Gosh, I can think about other things, I guess. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, Daria, do you want to talk about our book of the week? I absolutely do. I've been and I think you're right, Bridgerton Hangover is a really good way to put it because like when you consume a really good romance, it sort of like fucks you up a little bit. <laughs> You're yeah, like, oh, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what to do with myself now. And so I was recommended this on Twitter. There are some great, like I know we look at, you know, book talk and bookstagram, but there are some really great Twitters that recommend books and purely on just like one screen cap of a page with a good mm-hmm. highlighted verse. And yeah. this one got me really fast. Mm-hmm. It's called Gouda Friends by <laughs> Kathy Yardley. It's like a number two in a book series. I haven't read the first one, and they're pretty much standalone, mm-hmm. so it doesn't really matter, but they do have some shared background characters. Yeah, there was like a couple references to like what might have happened in the first book, but I didn't find it distracting or like that I needed to really know what happened. Not at all. I gotta be honest with you I do not read friends to lovers I tend to just 
I don't know. And it's not on, for any reason. I just haven't found a book that's really spoke to me. But there was a really good tweet about like one of the first few pages in the book. And I <laughs> I sent you the tweet and I was like, that's it. I'm done. I got to yeah, read this. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was really good. So it's so it's about two um, high school best friends who reunite and, and sort of like endeavor to like fix each other's lives. Um, and like it's kind of geeky. Um, it It's like Daria said, it's like a friends to lovers. There's lots of cheese involved, which, you know, like my second love right now, aside from Benedict Bridgerton, is cheese. It made so, me very uh, hungry to read this book. Yeah. Oh, my God. And like all the things they eat with cheese or like the other things that he owns a multi-million dollar ghost kitchen. Um, yeah. And so he's always bringing her like this amazing food from all of his restaurants. And it's just like. Oh, so it's you'll be hungry. Yeah, it's <laughs> when you read it. It's really quite funny. It has a little bit of a slow burn. It hits a lot of really yeah. fun tropes. They definitely fall into the let's just do it to get it out of our systems uh, trap that all yeah. friends to yeah, lovers yeah. Couple, couples fall into. Yes, yes. But I read it, you know, in a weekend and it was extremely fun. Like it was just one of those books that like makes you laugh a lot. Um, yeah, and I I didn't find like the the conflict was like so much that I was like, oh, like you know what I mean? Like I I felt the conflict was like dealt with in a pretty like quick way. Yeah, and I say that like as a good thing. Yeah, like I don't love books where the conflict is dragged out. <laughs> no, fully agreed. This definitely felt like it was like a really tight story, mm-hmm. um, which was fun and it a lot of chemistry between the two like lead characters and. Mm-hmm. I just really dug it. So we're going to link to probably, I don't know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Goodreads, whatever it mm-hmm. is. Uh, highly recommend. It's on Kindle Unlimited. So if you have a KU subscription, you can read it for free. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like I really want some Bon Me right now. Like so bad. Oh my God. Why did you say that? I know. I can just like picture the like pickled carrots in my mouth right now. There's like <laughs> – you know, you're going to read this book, listener, and you're going to be like, wow, there's like three pages dedicated to describing Bon Me, and you're going to be like so hungry. It's so true. I know. I know. I really, I think this weekend I'm going to have to like find one. <laughs> Just find a restaurant that has it because I like desperately need it. Yeah. Uh, I know. Well, listeners, listener, all of you, thank you for sticking with us as we recap Bridgerton season two. If you'd like to listen to our previous episodes, you can at www.hotelvicarious.com or you can email us at hotelvicarious at gmail.com or you can talk to us about all things Bridgerton, all things cheese, all things romance uh, on our socials at Hotel Vicarious on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for checking in to Hotel Vicarious and we hope you enjoyed your stay. 